When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Right, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed time to tap into the truth. Welcome to today's broadcast. Hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. Uh, with you as always, this is your host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Off the top of the show, I wanted to uh, make a mention of this past week's special event at Roan State Community College, uh, Death by Chocolate. It was originally scheduled the day before Valentine's Day, and of course it had a the theme of chocolate, henceforth the Valentine's Day fundraiser. The idea was to raise money for scholarships at uh, Maroon State Community College. And headlining this particular event was Dr. Bill Bass, world-famous uh, forensic anthropologist from the University of Tennessee and the founder of the Body Fund. I uh, had the honor and privilege of attending the event, and it was a fantastic event. Anyone that did not get that opportunity, uh, it's my understanding they are hoping to be able to continue to do this on an annual basis. So if you have a chance later on, you really ought to try. And remember, the idea here is to buy your tickets in advance because, unfortunately, a lot of folks showed up, and there's only so much room in the Rome State Theater. So once they reached the maximum level of attendees, well, it sold out rather quickly. There were a lot of people turned away at the door. So the folks who did not get the opportunity to see Dr. Bass, uh, you really did miss out, but sorry that uh, you did not have that opportunity. It was a great opportunity. And I, myself, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, just FYI, as we're going out, I'm going to go ahead and change up the format a little bit. In the past, I have done the headlines you may have missed and the outrage of the week towards the end of the broadcast. I will probably keep outrage of the week at the end, but I'm going to go ahead and move headlines you may have missed early on. And I'm also going to, on special occasions, just do some general headlines right off of the top of the broadcast. Uh, 
some that need to be addressed that there simply won't be time to get to later once I get into today's main topics, uh, which are all very disconcerting for those of you who already have concerns that we are losing our nation as it has existed. Individual freedoms and individual liberty is being tested every single day, and the erosions of our liberties are no longer a matter of question. It's obvious that these things are happening, and it's no longer a case of them being chipped away gradually either. We are seeing the end result <coughs> excuse me, the end result of people stepping up with a jackhammer and trying to completely demolish our constitution. And of course, when you have people like former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton saying, "What difference does it make?" it leads to certain questions of. Are there enough Americans left that care about individual freedom? Plenty of them do care up until the point that they have a challenge or taken away. That's when they notice. But way too few understand the gradual steps, the incrementalism, the little-by-little little destruction and how little things lead to major issues down the road. That is the overall topic and why we actually do not have a outrage of the week this week because the majority of our topics are so outrageous it was impossible to pick just one. But here's what I'm going to go ahead and do right now. Let's go ahead and hit just some headlines off the top, and I'm going to start with uh, the headlines that were going all over the internet today that a new day has dawned in the Ukraine. I'm going to hold off before we go too in-depth with talking about the Ukraine and the Venezuelan unrest as well, uh, because right now it's too early to tell exactly what has transpired. Yes, the former president of Ukraine has mysteriously disappeared, and at least as of showtime, I had not seen any reports that could positively state exactly where he was. Uh, of course, everyone assumes that he snuck away to Russia, but it's hard to tell at this point. He probably is. But who knows? He could still be hiding out somewhere in the country. There were reports that he had tried to leave the country and didn't make it out. So we'll see what happens there. I have a theory as to why the Ukrainian unrest received so much media coverage here in the United States, while the Venezuelan unrest has received almost zero uh, coverage. I mean, there's been some. But in comparison, there's been very little, and what doesn't make sense to me is initially how you can have something going on that is pro-liberty, pro-freedom, and you would put all this emphasis on one side, and then something that's over here in the same hemisphere put almost zero emphasis on. But I, my theory is that our administration and our media – probably did not expect anti-government forces to win in the Ukrainian outbreak. I call it an outbreak because that's the way certain globalists and liberals – I shouldn't use the term liberal. Let's say so-called progressives – look at individual liberty. You say it's an outbreak. It's a disease. It's something that shouldn't be there. My goodness gracious, how could individuals 
even want liberty. That's just insane. Why? Why would you want liberty? It's not good for you. It's scary for them. I really think that they fully anticipated after Hugo Chavez's death that it was only a matter of time before the people of Venezuela once again demanded a return to the democracy they once had and to liberty and freedom and all the things that had made Venezuela such a great nation before. The people fell into the trap of the progressive movements of Hugo Chavez, and Hugo was able to keep a strong grip. So my theory, and I'm just putting it out, and this is just my thought. I could be wrong on this one. I throw that out there. I, I by no means consider myself to uh, know anything as far as the mindset is how our media actually works, other than the fact that it has a huge biased to the political left side of the spectrum. My theory simply is they expected the pro-liberty anti-government forces to win in Venezuela. So when they downplayed that, I don't think they expected the pro-liberty anti-government forces to win in the Ukraine. I think they expected more Russian intervention quickly that would turn the tide, and the Ukrainian regime would eventually fall back into Russian influence. A major step towards rebuilding a reconstituted Soviet Union. I think they wanted to show that, show the American people, in particular Tea Party activists, that such activities are in the end pointless That's what I think. If anybody would like to comment, feel free to do so. Uh, In the meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and jump on into some other headlines and stuff that certainly has its way of standing up. Uh, One of the big headlines from this week that should not go undiscussed, and I'm sure it has been discussed by some folks, but haven't heard a whole lot of discussion on this topic, just some – basic blips here and there. It seems that Mayor de Blasio in New York, just after making announcements about a new commitment to getting tough on traffic violations, was caught by the local CBS affiliate with his little caravan with two-vehicle entourage, not only speeding, but causing all kinds of traffic violations. In fact, uh, bottom line here is de Blasio had just announced an aggressive plan to prevent traffic deaths. But uh, the local CBS affiliate, the CBS2, cameras were following them and caught the driver of a car carrying the mayor violating a number of traffic laws. Uh, The NYPD responded Thursday evening saying that the mayor's caravan, which is operated by police, sometimes has to use special driving techniques for protective reasons. Now, as it was reported Thursday on CBS 
two. The mayor's two-car caravan was seen speeding, blowing through stop signs, and violating other traffic laws. Uh, the report said that if the driver of the lead car, which carried the mayor in his passenger seat, had been cited, he would have racked up enough points to get his license suspended. Now, when the mayor, of course, announced his 62-point safe streets initiative, which includes lowering the speed limit to 25 miles per hour, he said, quote, we want the public to know that we are holding ourselves to this standard. I think this report happens to show, however, that the mayor failed to practice what he was preaching. Now, when uh, the CBS2 crews caught up with Mayor de Blasio's cars going through a stop sign again at the uh, Queens intersection, and that wasn't the only traffic violation they caught, uh, the safety violations came just two days after the mayor unveiled his traffic safety plan. Uh, he was quoted as saying, we put a very bold plan before you, and we want the public to know we're holding ourselves to the same standard. Basio even filled a pothole himself during this little press conference announcing the new safety standards. Now, during the course of this little on-camera debacle, the mayor was in the front passenger seat of the lead car, which was still being driven by a member of his security detail. But uh, being in the front, uh, the stop sign violations were clearly seen. So there is no way the mayor didn't realize that his guy was driving like a maniac. Now, some of the uh, violations that can be ticketed that uh, the lead driver would have had on his license had he been cited for this entire thing, driving or rolling through stop signs, driving or rolling through stop sign a second time, going 10 miles per hour over the 30-mile-per-hour speed limit, and going 15 miles per hour over the 45 mile per hour speed limit. Now, those particular incidents alone on the driver's license would account for a total of 13 points. Uh, in most states, in New York in particular, your license can be suspended if you rack up 10 or more. In New York, it's at 11. 13 points. Now, why is this worth talking about, you may wonder? And, of course, the simple answer is this. De Blasio is, without doubt and without question, the most open socialist politician in the country that holds a mayorship or higher. He just came out telling you they're going to hold themselves to the same standard. So here's what keeps coming to mind to me. And chime in if any of you guys recognize this line. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. 
when I first saw this headline, that just kept ringing through my head over and over again. I could not help but make the comparison to Animal Farm. This guy, Mayor de Blasio, who certainly knows far better than you what you need to do, happens to think that he's above not only the laws that currently existed, but anything that... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's going to put in play. Is that acceptable to the fine folks of New York? I've expressed my concern for their well-being since I first heard this guy was elected. He talked tough. He sounded like a tough New Yorker, and I think that made a big difference towards him being able to be elected. They like Democrats up there. They like liberals. They like some of these progressive ideas. But in the end, New Yorkers do not like being told what to do and then to not have these people that are doing the telling to live by the same standards. So Mayor de Blasio… Committed a major faux pas. Another headline off the top that I think is a big deal that we really need to keep an eye on is this issue with Battleground, Texas. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with Battleground, Texas, it is a – well, it's essentially one of the reborn names of ACORN. But they are an organization that got together under the extent – intent purpose – of trying to, as they say, turn Texas blue. They have been very much supporting Miss Wendy Davis and her effort to become governor of the state. And despite uh, violations of common decency being utilized in a campaign against uh, the current Attorney General Greg Abbott, who's also running for governor of the state of Texas, uh, they have stepped across the board. Uh, the Veritas Project, which is run by O'Keefe, which most of you know by now, uh, has caught Battleground, Texas, violating… State election laws. Those violations uh, primarily that uh, were released just this past week had a lot to do with uh, taking phone numbers and personal information off of voter registration cards. Now, why is that a big deal, you may ask? Well, the bottom line is Battleground, Texas, knows this to be a violation of the law. I mean, the last time, and I'm going to read to you now from an article written uh, over at the Brenner Brief. 
The last time Project Veritas looked at Battleground Texas and the Texas left, they found that they were working with Obamacare navigators to get the personal data of Obamacare enrollees in order to build a potential voter list. Now, once again, the Democrats and Battleground Texas are at it trying to illegally get people's personal information and trying to commit voter fraud. Since Battleground Texas doesn't think they can win fairly, they have to try to steal the election and break election laws. If you've worked or been involved in any elections from the different aspects, then nothing will surprise you. You've probably seen it all. However… It still is mind-boggling to see the low-down, dirty tactics that Democrats like to play at each and every election. Thankfully, Project Veritas got in here and got the information that they needed to prove that this particular illegal action has been taking place. Now, there is a video that is available. Like I said, you can go over to the Brenner Brief and look up… For the headline, Battleground Texas Caught Violating Election Laws. This one written by Brittany Pounders. You'll find that back on February 20th in case you would like to look it up, and I highly recommend it. There, There is a link to a video where James O'Keefe uh, and his people at Project Veritas managed to get workers with Battleground Texas… On camera, admitting and explaining what they were doing. They were getting voters to fill out registration cards, or at least potential voters. And they were getting these potential voters, fill them out, and they, instead of closing them up and sending them on immediately, they were keeping them. They were transcribing phone numbers, addresses, the whole nine, in an attempt to get personal information so that they could then do follow-up and continue to push them in the direction of voting towards the Democratic candidates. Well, the thing is with Battleground Texas, they already knew that this is against the law. The law in the state of Texas clearly states that once someone has filled out voter registration information, they fill out this card, that it is not legal for anyone to take that information from the voter registration cards. But here's the next step, and here's what really concerns me more than anything when it comes to this story. Yes, they're cheating like crazy. But uh, now Texas Lieutenant Governor David uh, Dewhurst has issued a letter to the Secretary of State urging her office to immediately turn over all complaints of Battleground Texas violation laws to the Attorney General. Now, this scandal that was revealed uh, after Breitbart, Texas, released its latest uh, 
James O'Keefe undercover video on what appeared to be a battleground Texas illegal voter data mining operation to help elect Wendy Davis. Now, you can over at Breitbart.com find a letter that the the lieutenant governor issued along with a write-up on the story. But here's the problem there. Who is the attorney general? Well, yeah, that would be Greg Abbott, the man who's running against Wendy Davis. So while something has to be done, what is going to be – What's going to be enough to convince the Democrats who are going to cry foul, even though they've been clearly caught violating the law? What's going to be enough to satisfy them that this was handled fairly? Greg Abbott is running for governor. Everyone else in the attorney general office works for answers to Greg Abbott. I mean essentially they work for the people of the state of Texas. But they still answer to. They are supervised by Greg Abbott. Something has to be done. But I can already hear the whining going on. I mean, first of all, they're whining that they got caught. But secondly, they're whining because there's no way that this can be handled fairly. Um. There may not be a way to handle that fairly, quite honestly. All right. Switch up again. Another headline just off the top of the show that needs to be talked about. Uh, It seems the United Auto Workers are doing what? They're fighting. They're filing complaints. They want recounts. They're fighting the decision where they lost the election over unionization in the Volkswagen plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, we talked about this just last week because it was just last week that they had to vote. And I told you then that this wasn't over. They weren't done. But what surprises me more than anything is how quickly they're fighting right back at it. And there's a lot of concern, and rightfully so, that they may use a tactic that – shouldn't be used. The concern here is that rather than just standing on some type of claim of voter intimidation or misunderstanding of the ballot, which is all crap because these ballots are pretty straightforward, and Volkswagen was extremely helpful the United Auto Workers and trying to give them plenty of time to talk and and all this other wonderful stuff. This was reported, however, as such a huge setback to the United Auto Workers that they can't be seen not doing something. So here's how the National Labor Relations Board comes into the picture. This also coming from the Brenner Brief. Uh, And if you haven't checked out the Brenner Brief, by the way, I highly recommend that you do so. Uh, This is the new website, uh, part of the news agency being set forward by uh, Sarah Marie Brenner, who is also a talk show host. But here's the deal. 
while most media outlets have been celebrating the close union election in Tennessee, which ultimately resulted in the VW plant union defeat, few are turning the spotlight on what the National Labor Relations Board is doing to give a huge helping hand to organized labor. They may very well be missing something. The National Labor Relations Board could very well bring the UAW and the Volkswagen Chattanooga plant after all. Uh, While Fox News commentators and guests toasted the demise of unions prematurely, I might add, one is left wondering why not one guest or commentator bothered to look at the NLRB and its announcement intended to reissue a notice of proposed rulemaking. This was stated in early February and provides a response to the question posed on Megyn Kelly, the question being, what will unions do now? The answer is simple. Unions will try to shorten the time the company has to campaign to employees. Most employers call what the unions are trying to accomplish a ambush election. These rules govern procedures for determining the outcome, union representation, and elections. At the center of the proposed rule change is the time between when the union files a petition for representation and when the election is held. Under the current National Labor Relations Board guidelines, the window of time is 42 days. During this period of 42 days, companies will campaign for their employees to vote against union representation, while the union will make house calls attempting to keep or get the vote in its corner. The unspoken part of this is that generally speaking, a union is on the scene counting the employees, courting them, trying to bring them to their side anywhere from six months to a year prior to every filing petition. Now, the National Labor Board here is considering changing this to only 10 days from the current 42. This abbreviated window would severely hamper a company's ability to sway the voting employees and drastically improve the union's chances of securing a win in the representation election. Now, this move by the National Labor Labor Relations Board is administrative so that no approval by Congress is needed. Is this the boost that unions need in a place like Volkswagen? Possibly. Contrary to popular belief within the world of conservative media, unions are not throwing in the towel just yet. In fact, they might even be celebrating. When this rule was first proposed back in 2011, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce stated that it would make it extremely difficult for companies to prevail in a union representational election. The NLRB stated that the changes that they proposed would make it easier for workers to vote a union into the workplace. 
So they admit that they know that this is going to make it easier for the unions. No real interest in what it actually ends up doing to the company. No interest in fairness. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trying to help the union. Under the new rules, union organizers would be able to distribute information about the elections electronically, for example. In addition, any challenges over voter eligibility would be delayed until after workers vote on whether to have the union represent them. The proposed rule change was passed along party lines with the National Labor Relations Board's three Democratic members voting in favor of the change while the two Republican appointees dissented. The proposed rule change has a 75-day public comment period and will be subject to a public hearing in April. After that, it could be revised before going into effect. Perhaps the celebration over UAW's defeat in Volkswagen was a bit premature. Perhaps. Now, As I mentioned already, last week when we talked about this, then uh, the outcome of the vote, we knew this wasn't open. It wasn't a done deal. But who had any idea they would go to this extent, that they would push this hard? I certainly didn't. I really thought they would just go back to the regular stuff, and then in a bit they'd be back. Vote again next year. Maybe it'd be a little bit closer, but still lose. Three years in, four years in, they'd probably win. But these changes certainly don't seem like they have the interest of fairness. At any rate, we'll go ahead and take a break now, and when we come back, we'll get headlines you may have missed. Stay with us. I'll be right back.
tap into the truth. Listen in live every Sunday at 3 p.m. Check us out at tapintothetruth.com for our latest blog posts and for links to all of our past broadcasts. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. That's Tap Into The Truth every Sunday at 3 p.m. in the promo. We do get started here every Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time here at Tap Into The Truth. I hope everyone is enjoying the show so far. We're going to go ahead and jump into headlines you may have missed. Uh, a little segment that I used to do towards the end of the show uh, just as a follow-up, but I uh, like to try and throw these things in as we go. Uh, first one, certainly of interest to a lot of folks, I think, uh, I don't know how many of you really understand the uh, nation of Islam and how it's different from a lot of other things, but uh, Louis Farrakhan has been the leader of this group for a long time. And uh, what Louis Farrakhan has done this past week is he has demanded that Barack Obama open up Area 51. Now, during the final installment of his year-long sermon series, Time and What Must Be Done, the minister, for lack of a better term, Louis Farrakhan, called on President Barack Obama to open up Area 51, the government location in Green Lake that's known for sparking controversy and conspiracy theories and all these wonderful things. About aliens and UFOs. Uh, in his statement, he said, quote, President Barack Obama, call the scientists, open up Area 51 to the scientists, to the world, because you, America, are the leader that Allah, God, has raised and made you powerful, that he might make himself known through you. And if America calls the scientists of the earth, to such place, they will respond. Now, the Nation of Islam leader said that calling the scientists to the location would show them the sign of the presence of God to the rights and wrongs of the earth and heal it. Farrakhan maintained that Obama would place the shadow government a coalition that is purportedly controlled by the global elite and has seemingly 
veiled Area 51 and UFOs in secrecy in danger of being exposed if he complies. Now, I know a lot of folks that uh, are in the uh, tinfoil hat crowd, as they have been labeled, and I myself count, uh, count myself among those folks because there's a large number of folks that do believe in globalist activities. Uh, I mean the Bilderberger Group is real, and what do they do? Well, they get together and they try to control things. Uh, are there other Illuminati-type organizations out there? Probably. I mean you can't put the world's richest, most powerful people all together in one group and expect that they'll all get along, so they'll probably form different groups. But this idea of a shadow government is nothing new. We've heard about it before. So here, can't say that Mr. Farrakhan is too far off base that if any one individual in our federal government was to step up and start releasing secrets, that it might not reveal something that other folks wouldn't necessarily want revealed. So that much may be true. I don't know if it involves aliens and UFOs and cover-ups of that nature. But again, you have to understand what Louis Farrakhan believes. But we'll get that here in just a little bit. I mean, Farrakhan believes that this secretive government force has hidden the presence of UFOs from uh, American presidents and the public for decades. This includes what he calls the Mother Wheel, which is supposed to be a massive spaceship. That he believes remains in orbit and will eventually rescue Nation of Islam adherents from Earth. Uh, quote, the scientists all over the Earth will know, especially through the clarity of our voice and what they see that God is present and that we whom they have destroyed would not have this knowledge if it did not come from the highest of sources. Now Farrakhan continued with this quote, We believe our words that we have shared on the presence of the wheel could help the president and America to avert our warning of cataclysm and destruction if America does not bow down. Now, Farrakhan also said that this shadow government, which his outlet Final Call recently described in detail, could lead to the destruction of America if the truth is contained. So by opening up Area 51, he seemingly believes that this chaos can be averted. Now, it's unclear exactly how Area 51 relates to the mother wheel theory, aside from the notion that both things involve UFOs and extraterrestrials. Um, in other recent theological proclamations, Farrakhan indicated that the U.S. government has known about the mother wheel since the 1940s, but has gone to great lengths to keep that information a secret. 
Earlier this month, Farrakhan also issued a firing message to Pope Francis, challenging the pontiff and all lovers of Jesus to a showdown. Not real sure what that showdown would include. But uh, certainly sounds like he thinks anyone who's a Christian uh, is a problem. Now, Farrakhan has spoke about this uh, spaceship theology uh, before. In fact, uh, let me read to you from a speech that he gave in uh, 2011. Uh, quote, the final thing in the destruction, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us of a giant mother plane that is made like the universe, spears within spears. White people call them unidentified flying objects. Ezekiel in the Old Testament saw a wheel that looked like a cloud by day but a pillar of fire by night. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that that wheel was built on the island of Nippon, which is now called Japan, by some of the original scientists. It took $15 billion in gold at the time to build it. It is made of the toughest steel. America does not yet know the composition of the steel used to make an instrument like it. It is a circular plane, and the Bible says that it never makes turns because of its circular nature, it can stop and travel in all directions and speeds of thousands of miles per hour. He said there are 1,500 small wheels in this mother wheel, which is half a mile by a half mile. The mother wheel is like a small human-built plane, or like a small human-built planet, I'm sorry. Uh, each one of these small planes carries three bombs. Now, Farrakhan has also said that uh, at the time of the destruction that the mother wheel is going to release these uh, planes to attack uh, the world, to destroy it, but they're going to save all of the Nation of Islam followers first. Does anybody have any idea what that means? Other than the fact that maybe Louise smokes a little ganja when nobody's looking, maybe it's fried his brain. I don't know. I mean, I hate to make fun of what people believe uh, if it comes to a religious slant, but I'm not sure if that qualifies. I mean, I know he claims Nation of Islam to be a theology, but it sounds to me like just another UFO cult. Now, of course, because I am one of these terrible white people that are probably going to be killed when the mother whale unleashes its wrath upon the planet, maybe I'm not supposed to know or understand it. Who knows? It might even be wrong of me to understand it. But the bottom line is Louie may not be playing with a full deck. 
That's all I have to say on that topic. Also, uh, another headline that you may have missed, and I definitely wanted to get to this one before, because this one is just flat out funny. Uh, it seems that the IRS was having a, uh, a bit of an issue with an American citizen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, they weren't happy with the response that they were getting. And so, what ended up happening was uh, the individual they were having the issue with decided to go ahead and have to write a letter themselves. So if you haven't heard this, hang on, you're going to love it. <laughs> a six-year-old puts the IRS in its place with a letter written in crayon. After the Internal Revenue Service sent multiple letters to a six-year-old, the fed-up mother, Susan F. Smith, decided to issue a response. She encouraged her son, Polly Smith, to write a formal crayon-written letter to the taxman. The original IRS letter read, Dear Mr. Smith, we don't recognize Susan F. Smith as someone authorized to discuss your tax file. If you want Susan F. Smith to be authorized to discuss your return, we suggest you go online and submit Form 8892 and went down the list of other forms too. The child wrote back, Dear Taxman, I got your letter. I am now six years old. It is okay if you talk to my mommy, Susan F. Smith, about my tax papers until I am 18. Signed, Polly Smith. Now, I, uh, I just can't help but wonder if the IRS actually got the message. They do have a tendency to miss. Such details. Also, one last headline you may have missed, and I just found this interesting on a personal level. It seems that in the United Arab Emirates, the clerics uh, have issued a fatwa, fatwa forbidding Muslims from traveling to Mars. Now, according to the uh, Kalaji uh, Times of Dubai, that particular fatwa 
uh, committee has forbidden Muslims from taking a one-way trip to the Red Planet. At the moment, there is no technology available that would allow for a return trip from Mars. So it's truly a one-way ticket for the colonists who, of course, would probably become uh, TV, uh, reality television stars and who knows what else in the process. But uh, the point being that the Committee of the General Authority of Islamic Affairs and Endowment in the United Arab Emirates that issued this particular fatwa against such a journey doesn't have anything against space exploration. Oh, I believe that. Uh, in fact, uh, I don't have a problem with traveling to Mars or anything else. But uh, the religious leaders argue that making that trip would be tantamount to committing suicide, which they feel all religions tend to frown upon. Well, I just – I find that headline interesting because here's to me. I think most of us know if we start space colonization – the first two or three rounds of colonists are pretty much going to show us what not to do. So there is some level of the idea there that may – you can make the argument, you know, they're going there to die. I mean I don't think that's the way they would look at it. I think it's a very heroic effort to colonize and to be pioneers. I mean there are always risks. In that kind of behavior, and I, I have to admit, I I have no love loss for the organized Muslim religious leadership, as most of them tend to talk about how how great it is to guarantee yourself a spot in heaven, but how most of them never bothered to do the thing to guarantee themselves that. Uh, that, of course, being according to Muhammad, to dying in the service of Allah. No, that's, that's the one guarantee. You blow yourself up. That's your guarantee. And they constantly tell people that. So I uh, my first response, first thing I thought of in that was, uh, of course, they would forbid them from going to Mars uh, because they wouldn't know which way to face in their effort to face Mecca. <laughs> How are you supposed to have prayer five times a day when you don't know which way to pray? Now, I sound a, a bit brash on that. I it just, I find it a, a very Interesting topic, though, because you know, on the other hand, of course they would be for space exploration. They're against suicide. Aren't they the group, groups that have suicide bombers? I mean, I don't know very many other types of extremists that are willing to blow themselves up to make their point. Maybe I'm just missing something, but… You know, it makes sense that they would want to be involved in space exploration. I mean, is it enough to dominate 
everybody on the planet? Don't you, once you know other planets are populated, colonized, don't you have to dominate there too? Now, uh, Mary in the chat room uh, is telling me that we ought to send all Muslims to Mars. I, I don't know. I, the one thing that concerns me about that, Mary, is thinking logically. If, if we're going to make the assumption that intelligent life is out there in the universe and it hasn't come to see us yet, and, and you know, I think I've mentioned on multiple occasions that I am a bit of a science geek, and I I like science fiction too, and I like the idea of getting out into space and colonizing and moving on. But uh, chances are, the further we're out in the solar system, the more likely you are to have first contact. I don't know that I want. Someone that does not best represent the values of humanity, and to me that means love of life and loving your neighbor and and embracing working together in the community of mankind is a kind of idea. I don't know that I want someone that doesn't represent those values in everything they do to be the first people that an intelligent alien extraterrestrial group happens to meet. You know, that's not who I want first contact to be with. So rather than sending them to Mars, I say let's send them to Mercury. It's kind of hot. They'd certainly get to meet Allah. Blah, 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 blah. All right. I, I got to back up a little bit. I, I really am sounding way more harsh than I intended, but it's, it's part of where I'm going with the next topic. I'm going to take a quick break, and after that break, we're going to get into today's main topics. Uh, I really didn't think it would take me this long to hit these headlines, but a lot of stuff happened this past week, and I, you know, once I start talking about it, I can't help it. Uh, but we'll take this break, and then when we get back, we'll get into today's topics. And I'll tell you why, as upset as I am about them, I also see reasons to be optimistic as well. So in the meanwhile… Stay with us. We'll be right back. to the truth. Listen in live every Sunday at 3 p.m. Check us out at tapintothetruth.com for our latest blog posts and for links to all of our past broadcasts. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. That's Tap Into The Truth every Sunday at 3 p.m.
Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, just like to quickly mention, uh, just for those of you who uh, might be interested, uh, the music you hear during the uh, breaks, the bumper music, uh, is all provided via Magnatune. So it's all podcast safe. And one of the things that I really like about Magnatune uh, is the fact that it works with independent artists, folks that are out there trying to make a living off of their music. Uh, that do not have the backing of a major record label. Now, I wanted to go ahead and get into today's main topic, and it has a lot to do with just how outraged I am. Uh, It it really – we're talking about the Pelletier family. Uh, first and foremost, that's what we're looking at. The Pelletiers, uh, I'm sure by now a lot of folks have heard this story, and a lot of folks know what's going on with the Pelletiers. But uh, for those who don't, let me give you some background. Uh, Justine Pelletier was diagnosed with a mitochondrial disease a little over – well, a, a while back, and she was – Diagnosed at Tufts Medical Center, uh, one of the premier medical facilities in the country. Um, And she was being treated, and things were going well up until the time that uh, one of her doctors had left Tufts and started working at Boston's Children's Hospital. A lot of folks at Tufts said that, okay, we really need Justine to be seen by her former doctor. So they sent her to Boston Children's Medical. This was a little over a year ago. Now, what has transpired in that time is the doctors at Boston Children's Hospital changed what their diagnosis was. Now, this mitochondrial disorder makes it extremely difficult for Justine to be able to digest food. And, and in a lot of ways, it almost completely negates her ability to. She can eat it, nothing gets digested, passes through, causes blockage. It, it's bad. It's extremely rare. But one of Justine's other sisters also has the disorder. Boston Children's Hospital decided that this girl was not suffering from an actual medical condition. They decided that she was suffering from a psychosomatic disorder, that it was all in her head, that it was completely psychiatric. Within two days' time, they decided that the Pelletiers were actually engaging in child abuse by letting the medical procedures that had been taking place in very positive results, I might add, letting these medical procedures be done to Justine. They went to courts. Well, not the hospital. And see, here's where the technicalities get. The hospital reported the findings to DCF. Now, that's 
the Department of Children that operates in Massachusetts. And DCF went to court and had custody taken away from the Peltiers, put in the hands of the hospital. And With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Since that, for the past year, Lou Pelletier and his family have been limited access to their daughter. They have been forbidden to just come and go, to visit, to spend time. They now have one appointed time where they can come physically visit and then one other time during the week that they're allowed to call for just a few minutes. And this has been left in place even after Justine has been removed from the hospital and put in a psychiatric care location. During that time, the family has been fighting to regain custody and to regain access to their daughter so that they can take her back to Tufts and get the medical treatments that had her active and engaged and vital. She was an ice skater before this happened, and she had been skating just a few days before her hospitalization. She caught the flu, and evidently as a side effect of having this mitochondrial disorder, when you catch the flu, it hits you much, much harder than it would a regular person who was healthy. That's what triggered her going to children's. The doctors at Tufts wanted her to see her old doctor. Her old doctor and the doctors at Tufts went in to these court hearings and stood by the Pelletier family, told them, yes, this girl is suffering from an actual medical condition. Her sister has it also. We've been treating her for this time. She's responded to the treatment. She's been doing well. We know it's rare, Your Honor, but… This is the case. But by this time, Boston's has a reason to be concerned about a misdiagnosis. Now, accusations have been made that perhaps Justine was the victim of the need of having a new guinea pig so they could do certain types of research. 
They have doctors on staff that have been seeing Justine that say that there's no such thing as mitochondrial disorders, that the very disease that she has doesn't exist, although they were very quick to call this a psychosomatic disorder. A diagnosis that I would add right now that most health professionals will tell you takes months, if not years, to diagnose. Because it takes time to see if there is an actual physical response or if it is all, in fact, a result of medical or mental. You can't talk to somebody twice and look at blood work and say, oh, yeah, this is all in their head. That's not how it's done. But they did this in two days' time. Two days' time, they decided that this young girl was being abused, took her parents' legal rights away from them. They kidnapped this girl. They stole her away from her family, and now they have been letting her die. They've been torturing her physically and emotionally, and now they've been using the political system and the laws that exist, both HIPAA and other standards of practice, as excuses to hide behind the fact that they've done this. Boston Children's Hospital has used… The children's services as a foil, as a buffer, saying, oh, it's, it's them. They decide to do it. We have an obligation to report it when we suspect it, but they conduct the investigations, and they go to court. They do all this. Let me ask you, how believable is it, how reasonable is it for you to accept the word of a doctor that claims… That this particular mitochondrial disorder does not exist while he's working at a hospital that actually has a board of research on this and several other mitochondrial disorders. For several months, this story was being told. In the newspapers, and we've touched on this story here before a little bit. We didn't go into depth. I probably should have, but I still didn't know enough about this case then. This story was being reported by the local newspapers for several months, about three to four months. Nobody cared anything about it in the media. I guess the assumption there is that there's just not enough newspaper readers left the news. Paper medium is going away. We've talked about that. We know that to be the case. If it's not online, if you can't access the content through your smart devices, fewer and fewer people have access to it or care enough to bother to look at it. It wasn't until the day that a local Fox affiliate in Boston aired a piece on this story that all of a sudden Children's Services decided, and in Boston uh, Hospital, this is Harvard. Okay. This is Harvard. This is Boston Children's Hospital. They all decided they got up at arms that this was being reported on the air. So then suddenly Children's Services goes before the judge and the judge 
by their request, puts a gag order on the family. They're no longer legally allowed to talk about how the hospital and the state, through joint effort, has stolen this girl away and is now killing this girl. This girl has suffered. This disorder causes pain almost nonstop when it's not treated. She is now paralyzed. Uh, not because of a lack of of physical – there was no physical trauma. There was no disorder that occurred here that caused this paralyzation. It's from a lack of metabolism. Her body is falling apart because she can't get food to the cells. She's now paralyzed from the waist down. I told you just earlier, this girl had been ice skating just days before she was hospitalized, she's now paralyzed from the waist down and has almost no body strength in the upper body because she can't metabolize food. She's dying. All she can experience is food. So the father this past week, in a last final effort, he separated himself from the rest of the family so that the mother can be there, so that she cannot be held accountable for his actions. He went on Glenn Beck. He went on Fox News on uh, the Megan Files, and he started making other media. He's been on a media role. But within minutes of his appearance on Glenn Beck, and I think that was the first place nationally that, that he was on, the Massachusetts Child and Services Group, they were in court demanding that he be held in contempt, demanding that this desperate father be punished for trying to save his daughter's life. Now, Mary in the chat room says that this whole thing doesn't make sense, and I agree. And just about everybody else that I've talked to says the same thing. Everyone that I've, I've talked to about this case, everybody in the process of my research, the only thing here that even comes remotely similar to an explanation about this making sense is if the accusation – that this particular doctor that ended up seeing her at first really did want to do some type of research and use her as a guinea pig. And then the hospital just started trying to cover its backside on this one. Now, that, and like I said, that's just an accusation. And there may be something else. There may be something to that. But on the outset, it really doesn't make sense because the first thing you think, the first thing that comes to mind is that does not happen. In the United States of America, we do not let the state or hospitals or outside entities take our children from us. We don't let that happen. This comes down to a difference of opinion on the diagnosis. That's where this started. It was a diagnosis, and she was being treated successfully with the diagnosis of the mitochondrial disorder. She was being successfully treated. So why would the people at Boston Children's Hospital interject themselves to this extent in the first place? 
Now, of course, we don't know yet if the judge is going to hold this desperate father in contempt or not, but chances are he probably will. I mean, he's went along with it this so far in issuing the gag order in the first place. Once he does hold them in contempt, we have no idea of knowing if he's going to charge them criminally or just civilly. And even the father himself had said that he had no idea. Asked point blank on the Megan file, the Kelly files, I'm sorry, Megan Kelly. Asked point blank on the Kelly files, she asked, aren't you afraid of what might happen? And his response was, I'm trying to save my daughter's life. I don't care anymore what happens to me. So on social media, since since I first heard this man who you hear in his voice, you see in his face, I've been asking people to support them. They, they've got websites up you know, in – you, they're out of money. They're broke. They've been fighting for almost a year legally to try and get custody of their daughter back and trying to get her out of Boston. Now, like I said earlier, they had transferred her to a non-medical facility. It was only psychiatric, so that legally once the heat started coming on to this case again and I saw national media starting to pick up on it, They wanted her out of the hospital, so they moved her to a psychiatric facility where, again, the rules for the visitation was made even stricter. The access of her family to this young 15-year-old girl who just a year ago was outside of this one very unusual disorder, relatively healthy, seemed vital, was enjoying life. What has happened in this country that now this man is facing charges just for speaking out? This is not the type of case that a gag order should have ever been put in place. A gag order in cases like this are simply meant to keep factual information in the hands of the attorneys so as to not taint a jury pool. This is not something that's going to be put in front of a jury, or at least not during this custody phase. Now, there may very well be jury involved later, and I sure hope, I pray that justice is served in this by the time it's said and done. And there should be jury trials, and there should be criminal proceedings against everybody that acted to take this little girl from her family. I'm afraid now they're in a stall tactic. They're using a stall tactic. They're hoping now. It pains me to say this because I hate to think that any medical professional or administrator or any state-run agency that we have would ever go to this length. But I'm afraid that they're using stall tactics, hoping that this just goes away if she dies. Mary says she would be planning a way to to get her out. And and Mary, you know that I, I have to say that 
this family this family has done they have tried so hard to do everything the right way legally pains me i mean this this story and the story that we'll get to in a little bit about the FCC is part of why I don't have an outrage of the week because these are both so outrageous. There's no way to pick one, but most parents and and, and Mary, I'm with you right here. Mary just said that uh, she'd be getting her out of there even if she had to go in with guns blazing. And, and I can't I can't imagine myself if my youngest daughter was in the same situation. I probably would have already been put in jail if I hadn't got shot because I would have done something. I don't think I could have shown the same restraint that this family has done. But it is completely, totally, and utterly outrageous that for even a second this man now has to face possible criminal charges. Because, I mean, let's face facts. They're already broke from fighting this legal battle. They're already broke from fighting the legal battle to try to get custody of their child back. So a civil penalty probably wouldn't do much, so they probably will go criminal. They will probably lock this man up. I hope I hope they don't. I hope this judge comes to a senses, and I hope there's enough pushback through social media and through common sense that there's enough left in our judicial system today that this that this that they let this go this by definition, may be contempt of court. It may be. And I am a law and order kind of guy. I, I believe that we are a nation of laws. But I do think that there are times when you have a duty to break the laws when the laws no longer serve justice or freedom. And this is one of those cases. I think everybody wants a legal way to go in and save children from abusive situations. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I would never call out against a law that permits a way to go in and save children from abuse. But it's exactly those type of laws… But we have to be so careful about because we're seeing it right now being used to justify taking this girl from her family. I, mean, I can hardly think straight. The more and more I focus on this, the angrier and angrier I get because this is such an outrage. Where the governor of the state? Where is the review board? Where is the higher-up administrators in the Massachusetts Children's Services Group? Where are these people recognizing the fact that, hey, we've overstepped our bounds here. This is nonsense. This is insane. This should not be allowed. Why? Why is this continuing? Isn't there some point, some place where common sense comes back into play? I mean, I, I keep saying this, but I, I really am afraid for this girl right now that they are using the stall tactic, hoping that once she passes away, that the story goes away and that none of them will be held accountable and they'll hide behind HIPAA laws and, and privacy and the gag order. 
to keep from ever telling anyone the truth about what they were doing and why. We know that Boston Children's Hospital believes in mitochondrial disorders. They have a special research board in the facility. We know this. So how has somebody somewhere a little higher up not gotten involved and put an end to this travesty? So anybody that's listening to today's show, anybody that has access to social media, please, let's let's get this story out there. Because the more people that know about this, the less likely they're going to be able to continue doing this kind of harm. It's through public pushback that stuff like this changes. It's only through informing people because they want this stuff to go away quietly. I think we all need to be demanding an explanation of why this was done in the first place and why this has continued. Because people have been doing the background checks on this family now. People have been looking for an excuse to believe that Boston's was doing the right thing. They've been looking for an excuse to believe that the Children's Services was doing the right thing. People have been looking for an excuse to believe that this cannot happen in our country. The entire time while we keep looking for this, all we keep finding is more and more questions. Why did this happen? This doesn't make sense. There has to be something wrong here, doesn't there? There has to have been some kind of abuse going on, doesn't there? That's, that's their purpose. That's what lets them go in and take children away. So… Like I said, if you're listening, please help me get the word out. If you can offer some type of support, you know, please do. This family is – they're fighting an uphill battle, and all they're trying to do is get their daughter back. Her original doctor stood by these people in court, and it wasn't enough. And now some of them are starting to say that it may already be too late to start the treatments that were working before and save her quality of life, maybe even her life at all. So please, you know, it, whatever you guys can do, just help me, help everyone else get the word out because it's going to take public pushback. Boston's got all upset when the story went on uh, Fox News, the local Fox affiliate. That's when the gag order came into play. That happened uh, over six months ago. They're all upset now about the misinformation. It's bad publicity. It's that kind of publicity that's going to force them to act. That's why they pushed her out of their facility. Word is that she's probably going to be moved again. She needs to be going home. She needs to be going back to Tufts for treatment, and maybe, maybe this girl's life can still be saved. 
At this point, I'm not even concerned about the guilty parties being held accountable on this as much as I am about trying to save this girl's life, and her life is on the line right now. Anyway, I'm going to shift gears. I've I've got to get out of that mindset, or I'm going to start pulling a Mark Levin, Michael Savage, just screaming into the microphone kind of thing because that this story it just gets because I keep thinking, what if that was my little girl? And much like Mary said in the chat room earlier, trying to follow the law and order rules of getting stuff like this done, I don't think I could have done it. I just don't. Anyway, I also wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit about another lawbreaker, and uh, this one being a little uh, a little bit different. I'm sure most of you by now at least heard in passing about Sister Megan Rice, uh, the 84-year-old nun that uh, broke into uh, the Y-12 facility down here in East Tennessee, just up the road from me right here, by the way, and uh, her and some of her compadres, she had a couple of helpers, for lack of a better word, that went with her. They broke into the facilities. They were charged with criminal trespass and a few other charges. Well, they had their court case, and uh, Chester Rice is going to be going to prison for right about three years. She was found guilty of breaking into the U.S. facility. Of course, it stores uranium, enriched uranium, and a few other things. She was given permission by the district judge hearing the case during sentencing to to break out in song, and uh, she led some of her supporters in the courtroom in singing Sacred the Land, Sacred the Water, Sacred the Sky, Holy and True. Now, during the four-hour hearing, she begged the judge to have no mercy in the sentencing. Uh, in fact, quote, please have no leniency on me. To remain in prison for the rest of my life would be the greatest honor you could give me. Rice, of course, was joined by two others, uh, Michael uh, Wally and Greg Obe, uh, in cutting the fences at Y-12 National Security Complex in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and that happened back in July of 2012. And before entering the facility, spray-painting peace slogans everywhere, hanging banners, splattering blood on the walls, and hammering uh, the exterior structures… Rice was actually sentenced to 35 months, and it was actually less than the 62 months given to the other two uh, partners in crime, for lack of a better term, I suppose. The three were also ordered to pay a lump sum of $53,000 to the government for damages done to the walls of the compound. All three were members of the Plowshares Movement. Of a Christian pastivist group, they entered uh, the facility based on what they say 
for religious grounds. I wanted to talk about her a little bit because, uh, you know, here's a feisty 84-year-old nun. She broke the law. And, you know, I see these three as just being some aged hippies trying to have a peace rally, but they they crossed some lines here. You know, they broke into a federal facility. What they did didn't really cause any harm, but should there be penalties for doing this? You know, that's that's a question I would ask you. What, what she did, does she deserve three years in prison? Do the other two gentlemen that helped her deserve 62 months in prison? Now, this is prison, mind you. It's not jail. It's not local jail. They're going into federal prison. And, and I'm not sure if the good sister is thinking in terms of Peter and all the time he spent in jail and serving the Lord's work. I'm sure maybe some of that plays into her emotional state with wanting to be in jail the rest of her life. Was the punishment reasonable for what she did? Should she get any special privileges? Personally, I think she should, but not because she's old and not because she's uh, a nun in a religious order. I think she should get some special privileges, and the other guys should too, for showing the fine folks at Y12 how terribly inept their security had gotten. I think they did the folks at Y12 and all Americans in general a great service in showing how bad their security was. Now, I grow up in the shadows of Oak Ridge. I am just over here in the Holiday Shores area where I grew up, if you're familiar with the local area. It's just just across the river from Kingston. You know, it's it technically has a Harriman address, and you get shipped up to Oliver Springs that borders Oak Ridge to go to public schools. It's a, a fine mess, but we're intimately familiar with Oak Ridge, and we grew up hearing these stories about how you can't go down certain roads without getting shot first. Lethal force is authorized beyond points in the gates, beyond certain fences. The signs are posted, and although you can debate how legal that actually is, these are essentially government installations under military and civilian control. And under the military rule, the security, they can very much have the shoot first, who cares if they ask the question later mentality. We've heard stories of people going down the wrong road and being shot at from Sights unseen where you never see the person shooting at you, and you know, you back up and get out and blah, blah, blah. I mean, all anecdotal, and you can't take it as proof or evidence of anything. But the point being, most of the folks around here know better than to cross these fences. It's 
dangerous. Or at least we always thought it was. But there was huge amounts of open space that these three, well, you know, I hate to use the term, but I think it fits in this case, that these three elderly individuals, now the the other two men that went with the sister weren't in their 80s, but they would all be considered senior citizens uh, by everyone's standards. They cut through fences. They made their way to facilities. They vandalized buildings. Now, should they have to pay for the damage they did? Yeah, I I can see that. Should any of them be going to federal prison? I don't think so. I mean, I really don't. They want to make a point. You can't just come through and do this. I think the real point they need to be making is uh, we're beefing up our security because obviously we've gotten too lax. In a time where we face very real threats of homegrown terrorism, and uh, for the record, I'm not referring to Tea Party folks, by the way, when I say that. Unlike our current administration, who seems to think that everybody who's even thought about reading an email from a Tea Party group is a homegrown terrorist. The fact that there are homegrown threats and people coming across our borders, especially our southern border, all the freaking time, especially large numbers of what's the term? OTM other than Mexican. Some of them we catch don't even speak Spanish, so we know they're not from Guatemala or any further south. When you find Arabic-speaking people crossing our borders illegally, there's reason to be concerned. So to me, what these three people did, they did us all a favor. They made us aware that there was an issue. Would you much prefer uh, we find out about this uh, because some wacko nut job ready to blow themselves up, terrorists broke in and managed to put their explosives just close enough to some uh, weapons-grade weapons-grade uranium. You know, it turned the entire city of Oak Ridge into a dirty bomb. That's what what could have happened. That's what could have taken place. Now, I'm going to hope that these buildings they got to are on the outskirts and that there was nothing of significance where they got. But the truth of the matter is if they got that far, we don't know how much further they could have got because they turned themselves in. It wasn't a case of them getting out and they couldn't have gotten back out and they had to be investigated and tracked down. They weren't trying to hide from the authorities. They wanted everyone to know they did it. They were trying to draw attention to their cause. But in the process, they did a great service to this country in so much as letting us see where the failings are security there. Now we just have to make sure that they follow up, that the security continues to improve. That's just crazy otherwise. So if anybody in the chat room wants to make a comment about the good sister, 
or her partners in crime or what they think about it, feel free. I would love to have a discussion on the topic. If anybody would like to call in, and you know, I just realized I haven't actually given the number out today. So if anybody would like to call in and talk about any of today's topics so far, uh, please feel free. The number is, of course, 347-426-3550. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-287-5313. And uh, if you are checking us out live at Blog Talk here at the show page, there's a little Skype button. And if you happen to have Skype, you can get us that way too. Uh, I'm still on the fence. Uh, I've been considering about maybe no longer taking Skype calls. I'd hate to do that, quite honestly, because I think it's a great way where you can get in touch with the show and uh, take advantage of the technology. But as a result, it's cheap, it's easy, and the last few folks I've had call via Skype have just been troublemakers or uh, folks just pranking. So in either case, I've been debating no longer doing that. But for the time being, I'm still going to take calls via Skype too. So if you'd like to make comments about this or any of the other topics for today, feel free. Be glad to have the conversation because I really do want to know what you guys think too. I mean, this is you know I can sit here all day and give you my opinion, but at the end of the day, my opinion is well, it's just that. Just my opinion. And the idea here is to start conversations and start people thinking. So, you know, feel free. And meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and shift gears again. I want to talk about this FCC thing. Now, I know just about everybody's heard about this, and you probably heard about it talked to death. Uh, Before going into this, though, uh, uh, Mary said that she just found out yesterday that her son-in-law works for Skype. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, mean, I, I, th- I think Skype is a wonderful thing, and they continue to improve uh, their quality and their ability. The video calling, I think that is fantastic. Of course, that's where Skype kind of start is doing the video calling back and forth. I think they've got a great business model, and I hope that uh, they continue to be successful. Since we works for Microsoft and Microsoft owns Skype now, which, yeah, I, for those of you who haven't noticed, if you had uh, Messenger before, and so uh, if you didn't realize it, that's because Microsoft had acquired it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and let's shift gears. Like I was saying, I know most of you guys have probably heard about this by now. Uh, Ultimately, this is a First Amendment question right off the get-go, but before Friday, and Friday they announced that they were going to back it off, and I'll get to that in a minute. But The bottom line is that the FCC had cooked up a plan to place what they were calling researchers into U.S. newsrooms, supposedly to learn all about how editorial decisions were being made. Any questions as to why the U.S. is falling behind in the freedom of press rankings? And I'll touch on that in a little bit too. But uh, there's a lot of effort to control the media. Now, as if illegal seizures of associated press phone records and the shadowy trailing 
of the mother of a Fox News reporter weren't menacing enough, the Obama administration is going out of its way to institute a new intrusive surveillance of the press, as if the press wasn't already you know, submissive enough to the administration. Uh, the commissioner of the Federal Communications Commission warned this early this week in the Wall Street Journal op-ed that a plan to dispatch researchers into radio, television, and even newspaper rooms called the Multi-Market Study of Critical Information Needs is still going forward despite the grave danger that it presented to the First Amendment. The commissioner warned that under the rationale of increasing uh, minority representation in newsrooms, the FCC, which has the power to issue or not issue broadcast licenses, would dispatch its, again, quote, researchers to newsrooms across America to seek their voluntary – again, air quotes are there for those that cannot see me. And since this is radio, I don't imagine too many of you can. To seek their voluntary compliance about as well as wade into office politics, which ideas were rejected as evidence of a shutout of minority views. Now, questions about this study came up about could it really be voluntary, given that the FCC's conflict of interest. And uh, that Obama's record of going after political opponents certainly would be another reason to wonder. The origin of the idea is a uh, a reimagining, I suppose would be the best word, of the fairness doctrine. Ever since uh, 1987 when it was removed, and the uh, fairness Doctrine, of course, is the idea to provide equal time to both sides of the political agenda, you know, both sides of the political spectrum. You know, you have equal things like Horace Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, uh, Glenn Beck, even Alex Jones, and Folks of that nature, the reason why they have a large following, and then folks like I don't know, Alec Baldwin can't even get people to call into a show. They don't want to hear it. In the free market, that's where the money goes. People that are listening to radio tend to be more conservative anyway. At any rate, it It's an idea that is so fraught with potential for abuse, it ought to have news agencies screaming bloody murder. The very idea of Obama hipsters showing up in the newsroom asking questions and judging if newspapers, over which they have no jurisdiction by the way, radio or television are sufficiently diverse. There's nothing short of thought control, but… The reaction from the National Association of Broadcasters was mealy mouth at best. The FCC 
should reconsider quantitative sections of its setting. The FCC now says that it will be closely reviewing the proposed research design to determine if an alternative approach is merited. Now, part of this is because of the commissioner's warning, but part of it also was from the pushback from both the public and from conservative lawmakers. Edwick actually reported this as a retreat. It's because of this don't rock the boat attitude that Reporters Without Borders said the U.S. has. It's one of the most significant declines in freedom of the press in the world last year, dropping 13 places to a sad 46th of the 180 nations in its ranking system. We'll take a a little bit closer look at those global ratings here in a little bit. But uh, if the FCC and the Obama administration, the so-called progressives in general, whoever takes over after Obama steps down, if they have their way, we may find ourselves down around, I don't know, 180. See, Lady Michelle has joined us uh, in the chat room, and she was talking about all the fairness doctrine would do is decrease the number of listeners and result in uh, loss of ad dollars. And that's exactly why Alan Combs is no longer on the local radio station in her area. No one listened to him. And you're absolutely right, because their concern isn't about fairness. Their concern is about crushing the conservative voice. There are very few people that do as good of a job of expressing the conservative viewpoint. Those you often see on the same, the same talk radio stations. If they're part of a network, then they're going to have package deals. Alan Combs was booted from Hannity and Combs. Not because people love the back and forth, but because they have one of those little uh, – I don't even know what they call it. But they do like these little instant polls, and they watch uh, the trends of how many people are paying attention and what they're hearing and whatever. And they did that on Hannity and Combs, and when Hannity was talking, interest went way up. When Combs started talking, interest went way down. In fact, lots of people even tuned off the show completely. The danger comes because they know from when the fairness doctrine was being used before that radio stations would change their format rather than lose the ad dollars. And they don't care. If people are out there listening to their point of view because they don't think you're smart enough to understand them anyway. You just don't get it. That's why you listen to people like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. You listen to those people because you're not smart enough to understand Alan Combs. You're not smart enough to understand Barack Hussein Obama. You're not smart enough to understand Hillary Rodham Clinton. 
No, we just don't. Well, I got to tell you something, folks. I don't understand them, but it sure as hell isn't because I'm not smart enough to. I know what they're up to. I know what they're trying to say. I don't understand how anybody could buy into the crap. A lot of people do. That's why we have situations like we have going on in Boston with this family. That's why you have situations with the FCC wanting to put their people in. Now, Friday, they announced that they would be backing up. You know, they they said they wouldn't be doing it. A lot of folks said it was a big victory, but uh, you know, the Federal Communication Commission announced Friday they would be putting a hold on the quote controversial study of the American newsrooms after complaints from Republican lawmakers and media groups that the project was too intrusive. Now, the FCC spokeswoman Sharon Gibson said that Chairman Tom Wheeler agreed with critics that some of the study's proposed questions for reporters and news directors overstepped the bounds of what is required. The agency announced that a proposed pilot study in South Carolina will now be shelved at least until a new study design is finalized. But the agency made it clear that this and any future studies will not involve interviews with media owners or news directors or reporters. So basically... This is an announcement of, oops, you caught us. This one's too obvious. We were moving too fast. It was clear. This was a first move towards a more direct control of the media. This is Obama and friends following the Hugo Chavez playbook. Nationalize what you can, take over the media. It's Part of rules for radicals too. I mean, it's this is part of the playbook. It's been out there. We know about the playbook at this point. They're picking up speed. They know they can move faster. They think they can beat us to the punch. They don't think anybody's paying attention, and they got caught. So what they're going to do is, oh well, you know, you guys might be right, and we're going to back up a little bit. Not in any point did they say that they were going to stop the program. We're going to do exactly what Mike Huckabee is talking about with Common Core. We're going to repackage it. And i got to say, I'm very disappointed with Mike Huckabee and the fact that he's trying to give a lot of governors advice on how to keep Common Core in place. The bottom line is the governors, just like every other elected official, should be serving the interests of their state and listening to their people. Common Core is a bad idea. That's because at no point should we have a federal government telling us how to run our education. There's a reason why education has been in the hand of local governments for a very long time, because each local group should have power over what they're now states get to set these standards. But Mike, please, you're supposed to be conservative. Part of being a conservative is wanting smaller government. 
trying to encourage these folks to increase government involvement in education is asking for big government. It's starting to look a lot like Mike Huckabee, even though he's in the Republican Party and has a strong Christian value system, or so he says, sort of look a lot like he's one of these so-called progressives too. So we've got to keep an eye out on that. Uh, we are heading into the last few minutes of the show, and before we get uh, out of the show, I did want to discuss very quickly the Reporters Without Borders report. You know, A lot of folks have talked about it. Reporters Without Borders for the last few years have been doing an index for freedom of the press. They look at world press freedom, and the one for uh, 2014 came out this past week. Now, this index spotlights the negative impact of conflicts on freedom of information and its protagonists. The rankings of some countries has also been affected by a tendency to interpret national security needs in an overly broad and abusive manner, sound familiar, to the detriment of the right to inform and be informed. Uh, this trend constitutes a growing threat worldwide and is even endangering freedom of information in countries regarded as democracies. Finland tops the index for the fourth year in a row, closely followed by the Netherlands and Norway, just like last year. At the other end of the index, the last three positions are again held by uh, Turkmenistan. North Korea, and Asteria, three countries where freedom of information is completely and totally non-existent. Despite occasional turbulence in the past year, these countries continue to be <coughs> excuse me, continue to be news and information black holes, and uh, well, living hells for journalists who inhabit them. This year's index covers 180 countries. One more than last year, the new entry is Belize, and uh, Belize has been assigned uh, what's considered these days an enviable position. They came in at 29th. Cases of violence against journalists are rare in Belize, but there were some problems, defamation suits involving demands for large amounts of damages, national security restrictions on implementation of the Freedom of Information Act, and sometimes unfair management of broadcast frequencies. Now, they go in depth, but what's sad is here we are in the United States of America. We have a guarantee of freedom of the press. Where do we set? In this ranking system, 47th. Betty Michelle points out in the chat room, by the way, on my comments about Mike Huckabee a few minutes ago, that he's uh, no conservative. Just look at his policies on immigration. And again, you're absolutely right, Lady Michelle. But here we are. We're talking about a ranking system that looks at freedom of the press. Now, is there a time when we should restrict press in the interest of national security? Yes, I tend to think there is. 
But unfortunately, the need for national security is being abused. Radio Mom in the chat room says hello to everybody. Hi, back to you, Radio Mom. Glad to have you in the chat room today. But it is absolutely terrifying to think that here we are, a nation that prides itself on liberty and freedom, at least we used to, we came in 46, I'm sorry, not 47, 46, just behind Romania, just above Haiti. To give you an idea, these are the nations that came in ahead of us. Number one, Finland. Number two, the Netherlands. Norway, Luxembourg, Andoria, Liechtenstein, Denmark, Iceland, New Zealand, Sweden, Estonia, Australia. The Czech Republic came in 13th. Germany, Switzerland, Ireland, Jamaica, Canada. The Canadians came in 18th. The Canadians that often think that we push the boundaries of journalistic freedom. Come in 18th. Poland, 19th. Slovakia, Costa Rica, Nimbia, Belgium, Cape Verdun, Cyprus, Uruguay, Ghana, Australia, Belize, Portugal, Suriname, Lithuania, the United Kingdom, Slovenia, Spain, Antigua, and Barbada, Latvia, El Salvador, France, Somalia, Botswana, South Africa, Trinidad and Tobago, Papua New Guinea, and Romania. Those are the nations that came in ahead of the United States. Some of those, okay, I can live with. Some of them, I mean, Papua New Guinea, Botswana, Somalia, El Salvador. What on earth are those countries doing? Buddy mm-hmm. Michelle asked where America was on the list 10 years ago. I don't know. I know they're down the 13 spots from last year. I'd have to look that up, and we're in the last 90 seconds of the show, so I don't have time to pull that up. But that's a great question, and I'll find that, and we'll talk about that next week. In the meanwhile, folks, again, as always is the case, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Always be prepared. Do a little bit of work on your own. You know, do your own research and always be prepared to use your brain. Be prepared to put in a little bit of effort if you really want to tap into the truth. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for all the participation in the chat room, and we'll be back next week.
Oh. 